guys, welcome back to episode 50 of the All Things Strength and Wellness podcast. I'm your host once again, Robbie Burke. And on this episode, I had the pleasure in interviewing functional medicine practitioner, Amir Rosek. On this episode, me and Amir discuss many topics, including Amir's background, functional medicine, seasonal eating, sleep and circadian rhythms, as well as many other topics throughout the show. This was a really great interview with Amir, and I hope you guys really enjoyed the show. Okay, Mr. Amir Rosic, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you come on my podcast. Uh, just for the listeners uh, who may not be too familiar with who you are, which I imagine won't be too many, just uh, fill us in on your background. Yeah, so my background stems, uh, well, let's first talk about how I got in the health field. And that goes back to my early teens. It actually started from the age of 15, roughly 16, uh, grade 9, grade 10 in high school, when I was kind of like a rebel back then. I wasn't kind of fitting into society, skipping school, you know, getting into drug stuff like that, etc. Eventually, I got kicked out of two high schools, and for the next decade or so, I kind of like was in limbo. I was, you know, living a fast-paced life in the clubs every single weekend, abusing my body with alcohol, drugs, doing criminal activities, and not really delivering value to the world. It came a point in my life that a lot of problems started happening from cops, uh, health issues, and deep depression. I was suffering depression for almost three years. It was like this black, dark cloud was following me everywhere I went. It felt like everything I touched turned to black. My outlook in life was really bad. And things really started getting worse when I eventually ended up going to jail for half a year. A bunch of other crazy stuff that happened. Uh, I left jail, and at, at that point, my life kind of started changing around. You know, I met my girlfriend, at, my current girlfriend at the time, which kind of transformed my life. I went back into MMA, which I'm originally from. My background is martial arts, Shotokan Karate, and I got into boxing. And from there, I, you know, kind of discovered nutrition. I figured out, you know, there's a paleo diet, etc. I kind of transformed my life. And in 30 days, literally, my depression, my outlook in life, and how I actually conducted myself transformed. And it flashed like this in 30 days. I'm like, holy freaking shit! You know, if this can happen in 30 days. Can you imagine what's going to happen for the rest of your life? And from that moment on in, I decided to dedicate my life in helping other people. I went back to school, spent a couple of years educating myself in nutrition, chemistry, etc. And here I am today, you know, uh, educating people worldwide on the amazing potential every single human being has out there to achieve greatness. Amir, who would you say have been the biggest influences on you, both as a person and also as a kind of health coach? Uh, the biggest influences for me, uh, teacher-wise, would be like Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Che Guevara, uh, Nelson Mandela, Mal- Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi. Um, in the health world, I like uh, Rob Wolf was doing great stuff. Uh, Art Devaney, the guy's a rock star. Like I think he's coming up in his like sixties. Um, He's in his 70s now, so he's... 70s now, yeah, yeah, he's a rock star, Devaney. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Bruce Lipton. Uh, the list goes on, and currently Jack Cruz is one of my huge uh, influencers. Like, the guy really makes me think about, like, world issues. But I can name, you know, people on and on. I'm not really divided on, like, health and this, but, like, those are just a few to name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jack, I've, I've had Jack in the podcast before, and... I really think you know too that you know Jack talks a lot of a lot of sense. Even though like other people think he's batshit crazy, but I kind of like batshit crazy people to be honest. Well, let them think. You know, people are opening up their mind, and what he talks about is it's real, man. Like the science has been here about like the EMFs, 
uh, the environmental consequences of what you're doing on our globe since like the 1930s. Yeah, yeah like this shit's time. nothing new. It's just people gotta wake the f up and open up their eyes and realize this shit's real and it's causing us issue. It's not about oh shit, do I have to eliminate gluten or not? That that's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's it's nothing at the end of the day. You know, diet is such a small portion. Your yeah. environment dictates your biology. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like when people always say to me, oh, uh, you know. Give me, you know, your top few books. I'm like, here, just read Biology Belief. If you understand that the environment dictates your genetic expression, you're, you're, you're you know, you're starting off on a good foot. Well, I, I can relate even from my previous criminal past. Like, I was hanging around with people who were in that type of mindset. Yeah. And they rubbed their energies on me, and that's how I was thinking. And as soon as you surround yourself with other people who are like go-getters, entrepreneurs, and people who want to like, make a change in this world, you actually become them. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and there's a saying: you are the sum of the five closest people you spend most time with. I was just, I was just about to say that. I don't know who originally said it, but I heard it from Tim Ferriss. That was who I heard it from. So I heard it from Napoleon Hill originally from Thinking Grow Rich. Well, maybe then it definitely came before Tim Ferriss. Then, so yeah. It was well, definitely. they actually scientifically proved it. It's a book called Connected, when two uh, university professors from the University of Toronto actually decided to put this type of theory or this type of like ideology a mathematical test and they actually found out mathematically analytically that it is actually true yeah it's like uh, what's the name of, you know Lynn McTaggart she has those books oh The Field is one There's Field that's a great great great, great book and uh, is it in The Field where she talks about Edgar Mitchell the guy who went to the moon and he like he wrote down those things in the moon and like you know he was a friend at home like he told the friend at home what he was going to do and the friend had to like kind of kind of you know almost write down what he taught Edgar like basically sketched out on the moon and it was almost identical you know kind of saying that two people who were so close together they had that energy field where they're connected no matter what kind of like you know the two protons in, in quantum physics well the whole thing well yeah well the, the electrons as well so the quantum entanglement theory where the one electron side, the electrons for example, yeah the electrons clockwise and then a, you know for example let's say like two feet away the identical electron will spin clockwise and you stop them and they stop on a dime yeah. and the the question is, what's connecting these two electrons together? And that's where the whole like theory of like uh, psychics come into play. Uh, you know, uh, reading the minds. Uh, certain military experiments are talking about that, but it also goes into the fact of like what Bruce Lipton talks about biology of belief is like if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. And Napoleon Hill talks about this, and, and it's literally your thoughts are connected in the ethos or the akashic uh, records, as people like to talk about. And there's a theory called the 100 monkey theory or the 99 monkey theory, whatever you want to call it, you can just call it the monkey theory, and there's many other theories that correlate with this, but they found out that, like, it's like the tipping point where Gladwell talks about when a certain number of people do uh, certain, uh, say, things in the world. For example, Roger Bannister, he broke the... Four-minute mile. I believe, the four-minute mile, yeah. He broke that, and at that same year, I think another five people broke it as well. The, five, the, so the, question, the, following, the following year, like, I think it was 30-something people went on to break 30, it. 30, yeah. The same thing, they did a study with crossword puzzles, right? I don't know if you heard about this one. It's like they brought in people and they're like random people. They have no connections, like off the streets, literally, right? Like, like, hey, you guys come with me and like you got like 10 minutes to do this crossword. So Monday, these guys do a crossword and it takes them like 10 minutes and their success rate is probably like, I don't know, like 15%, right? Yeah. So that's they have, a, they have a time limit. The next day, the same crossword, they get next random people like on a Tuesday. Hey, you guys, come over here, do the crossword. They kept on doing this, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I kid you not, every single day had a better success rate than the previous day. Yeah, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's just, yeah. 
Amir, you're like me. You're big into functional medicine, and I've done FDN as well. What other functional medicine courses uh, would you recommend to you know to anyone out there interested, or not even courses, but maybe resources, certain sort of practitioners to learn from, seminars, workshops? Um, what would you take me there? Yeah, uh, I don't think so. There's a one answer to that. All of them are good. I've personally done two afterwards. I've done. Uh, FunctionalMedicineUniversity.com, which is a six-month intensive, and then you also have the Institute of Functional Medicine, and there's a new one, the Academy of Functional Medicine Genomics. Yeah, yeah. So those are three major ones that will most likely take up to two years for most people to finish. Uh, then the other ones you can look at, like uh, uh, the Anti-Aging Institute, so uh, A4M it's called, so they have some cool stuff. They don't call themselves functional medicine practitioners or functional medicine mindset, but very similarities in between. They can take some CECs and courses they have. But generally speaking, those three that I just mentioned previously, they're a good foundation for anyone to really get into it and really understand of like what is functional medicine, how you can actually incorporate it into your practice. Yeah, it's it's like I have a there's a guy I know who's a conventional doctor, and I remember, you know, he was like, uh, he was, we got talking about functional medicine. He was just like, what does functional, what is it, what does, what does functional, and he goes, I've never heard of it, and I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, no, I, it's actually, I, I'm in the process of doing functional medicine university as well. It's, yeah, it's, it is fairly intense, of course. Uh, sleep, uh, Amir, I, like, I know you don't know me from Adam, and this is the first time I've ever communicated, but my friends know me as the, the sleep guy, the circadian rhythm guy. Like, I am, a, like, it's just the biggest it's most important it's like my most important core value is my sleep and i know that you are on the same wavelength as well so i had t.s wiley on the show lights out was one of my top books as well like my top three books were always uh biology belief lights out and physical nutrition and physical degeneration they would usually be my top three books with regards to just different you know nutrition area sleep and a kind of mindset but uh just maybe touching the sleep and sort of how important you know it is with regards to hormonal regulation and circadian rhythms and stuff like that it's the most important thing, period. I find it so funny when people today are trying to find out, like, these like, magic bullets. I need to optimize my hormone. I need to lose weight. I'm like, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, you need to get your freaking ass to bed. Yeah. That's what you need to do, buddy. Uh, and I don't know what it is. We like quick fixes, right? We've been programmed and marketed to a society that's like, let's press the green button, the easy button, and, like, hope that everything works out for us. And that's a wrong answer, absolutely wrong answer. Literally... Sleep dictates your hormone secretion. It dictates how your hormones repair. Yeah. It dictates when your hormones are secreted. It dictates uh, your telomeres. So telomeres have been found to be linked to uh, anti-aging. So telomeres basically are the end of your strands and your chromosomes that if you're shortening them really fast, that means you're decreasing your lifespan really fast. And the longer they are, the longer you live, plain and simple. And there's studies showing that sleep is connected to these telomeres. And this list goes on and on. Anyone can do a standard Google search, Scholar, Google Scholar, or PubMed search, and type in sleep hormones, circadian rhythms, mitochondria, uh, sleep testosterone, sleep, uh, you know, multiple sclerosis, sleep Alzheimer's, sleep this, sleep that. There's millions and millions of study connecting sleep to every single known case of, of uh, say, unhealthy individuals and every single known case of healthy individuals. Because bottom line, when you do not respect your sleep, you are literally depleting every single cellular mechanism within your body. Yeah, yeah. But Amir, what, what like, so the, the response, and you know this too, oh yeah, but I, I still get eight hours of sleep. I, I, just, I go to bed at one and I get up at nine. Is that not good enough now? <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, it's hard for people to understand. It's not the amount 
that yeah. you sleep. So, for yeah. example, you go to bed, say, 1 a.m., and you wake up at 9 a.m., that's eight hours right there. It's not the amount. It's the quality of when you go to sleep. We, we run on clocks, like Rolexes, right? And yeah. you have to ask yourself, well, why? Why do we have these chronoreceptors on our body and these chronological clocks? It's because we grew up in this circadian biology with the sun. That's how we get tired at nighttime because of lack of sun. That's how we're active during the day. The quanta paths, which Einstein talks about from the sun. So you get the UVA, UVB. Uh, you have, I think it's like 100,000 lux at noontime. All these energy quanta packs actually activates all your hormones. It activates your testosterone, uh, norepinephrine, epinephrine, and all your daytime, let's go, let's crush it, let's hunt, let's get food type of hormone. And when that actually disappears, when the sun settles, you actually get your nighttime hormones. So your melatonin goes up, your dopamine goes up, you start secreting and increasing serotonin for the next day, etc. However, when we're actually not sleeping a proper circadian um, time zone, so meaning like say you're trying to go to bed at midnight, you're in front of a computer, you're watching TV, you're on your cell phone, you're on Twitter, you're on Facebook, those artificial lights mimic the sun. Your body doesn't know the difference. Those blue light waves actually will elevate cortisol, will elevate your hormones, and will at the end cause a huge problem. They did a study, a very famous study, I believe it was 94 if I'm not mistaken, where they had participants in a black room and they shined a laser beam on their kneecap. Well, not the, not the front of the knee, but behind the knee. Behind the knee yeah. And then they drew their cortisol, so their stress hormone, and they found that that small dot, the light, very small dot, like a $20 laser beam, was enough to stimulate cortisol. Now imagine what your computer is doing to you. Imagine what the overhead light is doing. In fact, I was actually kind of shocked and surprised when the WHO came out with this, so the World Health Organization. They actually deemed certain light bulbs carcinogenics. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is good, which is good. A lot of them are. A lot of them are absolute poison for your health. You should not have them. These new, like, energy saver light bulbs and all that, that stuff's crap. You should get your old, old-fashioned incandescent light bulb. They're the healthiest right now. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a perfect example of, like, even modern-day organizations kind of catching up and realizing that the type life that we're living right now, this, like, go, 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 computers, electronics, lights everywhere. It is literally killing you. Forget what diet you're on, you know, paleo, vegan, pescatarian, whatever. That's all bullshit at the end of the day. Your environment is 100 times more important. That's why people feel good when they're on vacation. It's a no-brainer. Okay, you're grounding every day. You're in vitamin D and sunlight throughout the whole day. You're getting negative ions from the ocean. You're sleeping better because most likely you're going to a third world country such as like Cuba or Mexico or like Latin America or something like that where they have less EMFs. All this combined together is actually giving you a proper healthy environment for your cells to finally regenerate. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you go home and you feel like you just got hit by a bus. Well, no shit. You know, you're, you're surrounded by artificial lights, EMF. Uh, you're stressing out, your work is killing you, that's what's causing your health to decrease. It's not about, oh my God, I just ate gluten, or oh my God, I gotta train seven days a week. Do, do you think uh, then, uh, someone said this to me that, you know, about just gluten, just while we're talking about where you mentioned gluten there, like people were saying that the reason why gluten has become so epidemic is because people are just so goddamn inflamed, like their, their stress adaptation is so low, they can adapt, whereas you with someone who was like, in an optimal state, gluten shouldn't be doing any harm to them because their their body's so strong it wouldn't even impact on it. Well, let's first break that down. Gluten is found as many grains, and I personally don't see gluten as super harmful for most. It's not optimal, like unless you're celiac or gluten intolerant. Yes. However, gluten is. Oh, this Jack talks about this. Gluten is like that protein is like a bullet, and your environment is a trigger. Right? Yeah. So if yeah, you've got yeah. that bullet inside of your body and you're living a shitty environment, 
that gluten will become a very dangerous bullet and yeah. cause problems. There's studies showing it, you know, uh, gluten will activate toll-like receptors to cause leaky gut. It'll, it'll actually activate, um, decrease, sorry, your vitamin D absorption in your body, cause calcium efflux in your body. So mm -hmm. it is a danger. It's just it, how they paint it today with the marketing as like, it's such like the escape code that if you just take out gluten, your life will like magically improve tenfold. For some, it may. Like, if you are a celiac person, please stay the hell away from gluten. Yeah. However, like, if you're not, if you're not gluten intolerant or celiac, having a, you know, a small piece of gluten here, there, it's not going to kill you. Yeah, yeah, I know, definitely, big time. Just, just back to the sleep thing there, sorry, we kind of deviated. You were talking about the World Health Organization talking about, uh, you know, certain light bulbs. Apparently, shift work is down as a carcinogen on the World Health Organization as well. Like, so that would just... They have the fun. highest rate of cancers in the world. My mom was a nurse of sick kids. Yeah, and I'll yeah. tell you what, man, midnight workers, so if people go into work for any time, like 10 p.m. plus to like... 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. in the morning have the highest rate of cancer in the world. Like what? Like like you, you always get those shift workers saying, well, what can I do? Well, I always say, listen, you're going to have to quit your job. But I read a book called Circadian Prescription by a guy called Baker. Was it S Sydney Baker? Yeah, Sydney Baker. And uh, he was saying that, you know, like uh, obviously quitting your job is the most often thing to do. But if you can't, he was like, you basically just have to re completely reverse your clock, make your body think that your shift, that your shift work is daytime and make it think that daytime is nighttime. So like he was like, you'd have to just put all the lights on then at night thinking it was day and then it was daytime you just basically have to black out your whole fucking life like he said that was the only way you might be able to make it work what what would you what would you think about that amir yeah i would do that plus i'll definitely look into like other technologies like buying a sleep magneto pad uh to mimic like the schumann residency inside your house like yeah, 10 gauze yeah. magnetic pad i'll look into like more low carb ketogenic diets because the more circadian disruptions you have the more glucose uptake and the more like reactive oxygen species you make so i'll look at more low carb slash ketogenic diets, uh, playing around with other things like blue light blockers, sunglasses, um, looking into like rebalancing your coke Q10 with like ubiquinone or ubiquinol, mm -hmm. whatever one you can mm -hmm. afford, uh, and doing a round of testing, doing some like a quantitative N equals one biohacking. So I do like a round of like organic acid testing. I do full hormonal saliva panel, so testing the DHEA, pregnenolone, and progesterone, uh, testosterone, estrone, estriols. Uh, I would even do stool analysis testing to see what your gut microbes are and then figure out a sustainable thing you know it's it's easy for us to say hey you got to do all these things that's great it's the second thing to actually incorporate it into your life into your practice yeah, that's on yeah. autopilot you know okay. that's the thing you know like a lot of people say do these things well you know bollocks you know like it has to be easy it has to be on autopilot you have to have a system that you don't have to think about yeah, yeah, big time. I mean, that's one of the questions I have here, and fuck it, we'll just we'll go into it now. It's about changing habits because, like, I mean, like I'm, I don't know, like how how you are with that, but I think most people, maybe in my own position, you know, you gain a certain amount of knowledge, and then you know, you kind of think, oh, like I can really help people because I, you know, I know all this shit, or and it's not to say that I know everything. It's just that I, you know, I've, I've gained a certain amount of knowledge. I feel can help people, but then you can realize that holy shit, I've no idea how to in interact with people and make them change habits so like how have you found that because you know yourself you're you're trying to tell people go to bed at 10 and you know eat this eat that like i've come up with a little bit of strategies like it's basically just about making it as simple as possible instead of saying here you have to eat this food like here's 21 meals three three meals for seven days a week and you have to do this now instead of just saying here can you just take like a multivitamin in the morning or can you just drink a bit more water like so how, how, how have you found changing habits like strategies wise what strategies have you used one you have if you, you cannot improve on something unless you record something. Yeah. 
Big time. That's number one, right? You have to quantify something. First, you have to see it physically in front of you with your own eyes. Like, oh, this is the problem. How do I fix the problem? So before actually transforming and creating new habits, we first must identify bad habits and good habits. And that can be done through journaling and done through like self-analysis. So at the end of the day, uh, you know what you did bad intuitively. So you can pretty much just grab any piece of paper or even like an audio recorder, whatever's comfortable for you, and talk about your day. And basically what you do at the end of the week, after seven days of actually collecting your thoughts down, you literally go through it. And then you, you draw a simple chart. You draw good habits, bad habits, or pros versus cons. You put a line down the middle, and you put them in that certain category. So once you identify the pros, that's something that we're going to work on more. We're going to make that a stronger habit in routine. Now the cons, remember, you cannot destroy habits. Same thing like, you know, I used to do a lot of drugs when I was younger. I tell you what, if someone, if I did a drug right now, I guarantee you that's going to be a catalyst and a trigger for me to continue to do more drugs, right? Yeah. So you can never, ever break old habits. You can only suppress them. And the way you suppress old habits is by supporting and promoting the newer habits, that they become the more dominant force with, with inside of your, your psyche. So once you have the pros versus cons, we figure out how we can now promote the pros. And it's simple things. It's about micro-winning. And I give the analogy of Mount Everest. You look at Mount Everest, you're like, oh, my God. You know, I'm going to climb this son of a gun? <laughs> it's overwhelming. It's crazy. Yeah, but yeah. if you break the Mount Everest into, like, peaks, like, okay, i got to climb only, like, 30 feet today. That's easy. And the next day, i only got to climb another 40 feet. And the next day, 50 feet. And the next day, 60 feet. Whatever. That way, when you break down these micro-commitments, your mind has a better bandwidth and a better um, environment to absorb what's about to happen, right? So I like to do micro-wins. And for example, let's just talk about sleep since we're on the topic. I'm never, ever going to tell a person, okay, well, you got to go to bed at 10 o'clock. You have to wear these glasses. You have to do this. You have to do that. Yeah, and the guy's going to yeah, be like, yeah. yeah, buds, sure. First thing is like, what, what are you doing already? And this is a simple trick I do with people. If you're going to bed at midnight, I'm not going to tell you all of a sudden to go to bed at 9 p.m. I would be really happy for the first week that if you go to bed just at 11.30. Yeah. The following week, you go to bed at 11. The third week, you go to bed at 10.30. And finally, the fourth week, so that's 30 days later, you're in bed at 10 o'clock. These micro wins builds your momentum, builds your, your progression towards actually creating beneficial habits. And that's how we should all approach optimal living, optimal performance, by small micro-wins, small things that we do on a daily basis that compound throughout our years. Mm, big time. Amir, just from a functional medicine standpoint, like so let's say, you know, do you have a standardized sort of system with every client? Like, what are the top tests? No, no such thing. There's no such no. thing as a standardized system. No. Never, ever. Whenever anyone tells you some standard system, that bullshit. So you, 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 it's person specific with regards to the tests you're going to run. Hundred percent. All right. Okay. Good. And just uh, so you can answer, maybe get a little more into that. And the second part of it was, do you do you have a sort of, what's the word I want to say? Like, like. You know yourself, you get these clients who are just like, I just don't financially have the money to buy five tests or whatever tests. Like, how do you deal with those clients as well? I had a client, oh, I, used, I used to deal with some clients. I don't deal with them anymore. I deal with, I'm very picky on my clients. I screen all my clients. It's a half an hour to an hour screening to even work with me. And if they're not a good fit, I turn them away. In fact, I turn away, turn away about 80% of people that approach me. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're just not a good fit. I work with people who are willing and who want to succeed. Okay. Right, 
where people are ready to succeed. There's a saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, I'm the teacher and my students are ready. The people, they're not mentally ready. I don't care. Not too long ago, I literally turned away a potential billionaire. <laughs> like this guy was somebody, right? But he wasn't mentally ready at all. He probably yeah, I, he, he probably wanted to offer you more money. Do you ever do that to rich people? Uh, no, we won't be good fit. I'll give you more money. <laughs> it's like you know when, when when you refuse rich people's money, they just they're confused. They just don't they take it as an insult. I'll give you more money. But like I'll tell you a story. We ha- I had this one person, and this was a while ago. And I was saying, okay, it's going to cost you eight hundred dollars to run these tests. And I'm like, we can try to th- like you know put it down to like six hundred. But I really recommend running these tests, and then we're going to need this and that. And the guy's like, oh, you know, it's too much, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, listen, buddy, you're ha- you have, and this is when the new iPhone came out. So I think it was like half a year ago, some, or maybe more than that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, your phone is worth $800 right there, and you're driving a BMW M5. M5 is like a $130,000 car. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We're, that's the problem. It's priorities. People are like, oh, it's too expensive. Well, piss off then. Your priorities aren't there. Until you start changing your mindset and realize where your freaking priorities are, you're not ready. Don't talk to me. Don't waste my time. Well, how, how, how do you think we can get people to that mindset? Because you know yourself, like, again, you go can't. Back. You can't. You live by example. You can't. You can't force people to do oh, anything. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I absolutely 100% know that. Like, I abs- that's exactly what I say. Like, when people all say to me, how can I help? You, you never, ever go to someone offering help because they'll find that offensive and they'll be straight away on the defense straight away you always lead by example and be a role model but i suppose then it's just that you know yourself you're still going to get clients that come for you for help but they're still not in that position i suppose that's the 80 percent you let go essentially then isn't it yeah i just i just don't work with them because i respect them and they want to respect me there has to be a vibrational equilibrium that we help each other i yeah. learned so much from my clients now most of my work i do today uh, that I that I do is because of my clients. You know, forget the schooling in the past. I've learned tenfold just from dealing with clients one on one as opposed to the schooling. So to respect each other's time because time is very precious, very valuable. We must work together on a same energetic equilibrium. Yeah, yeah. Just going back to that question, I, I don't know if you can answer it, but like, so how do you determine what test a person needs? Is it just through the screening questionnaires and then off that and off their history? You're kind of thinking, well, oh, history. Wanna... It's all about history yeah. and screening questionnaires, like what they've done in the past, what they tried in the past, what tests they've done in the past, what current health issues, and looking at it from a functional medicine perspective or a holistic perspective, seeing all the dots, seeing what's going on, and yeah. that way you determine what's happening. Yeah, you know, some yeah. people need X, Y, and Z tests. You know, some people may need, you know, full cholesterol back testing. Other people may need only, I don't know, like your ASI testing with maybe like uh, some, you know, creatinine bun ratios. So it, it all depends at the end of the day, like what's your situation. Yeah. And just for, for yourself, Amir, you're someone who seems to do a lot of work online. How, how do you optimize your health, you know, being on a computer so long during the day? Like what sort of strategies do you put in place for that? Uh, believe it or not, I don't spend too much time on the computer, um, maybe only three hours a day, but like for that, I have a standing desk, I have a grounding mat for my computer, my computer's plugged in, I have no Wi-Fi, uh, I try to mitigate all Wi-Fi around me, in fact, I'm at the process of trying to actually create a EMF-proof room, I'm in a condo, so I don't own it, so I can only do so much, so I'm trying to create an EMF-proof room with paint and everything, that is, but on top of that, it's the other things that we should do, so forget what we're doing currently. 
grounding every day, going out barefoot, getting electrons into your body, getting vitamin D, going out there getting sun. And the most important thing, and Jack Cruz talks about this, is hydration, drinking a shitload of reverse osmosis water. Because that's the problem with like, being around electronics and EMFs. EMFs have been shown in studies to actually activate heat shock proteins. And these heat shock proteins cause calcium efflux, and flux actually causes cellular suicide, which freaking sucks. That causes death. It's no good. And the more hydrated you can become, the healthier your cells are. Just, uh, ju ju just as you were speaking there, I was like, right, I'm going to stand up. And now I just went over and grabbed my glass bottle of water because, like, I need to stand up and I need some water. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all right, move on to the, to the next question I was going to say. Carbs. I mean, carbs are bad, aren't they, Amir? You know, like, you know, carbs make you fat. They make you... <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you want, do you want to maybe just touch into carbs and actually a really interesting thing I want to talk on is this kind of yin yang of summer and winter the kind of thing that T.S. Wiley talks about and I want to maybe speak yeah. about the consumption of carbohydrates in winter what are your thoughts on that because I remember asking Jack I was like Jack you know a lot of athletes off season is in like the winters the, the winter time so and like they, they, they're going to need some maybe some sort of carbohydrate to refuel but it's the winter it's cold I was like what's your take on this will it, will it cause more aging and he says really it depends on the athletes he said that the kind of exercise will, will kind of negate some of the negative effect of eating carbs in that winter cycle but let's start on carbs and then maybe let's get into like this kind of summer winter and, and the carbohydrate deal as well well, one, I'm a huge proponent of social eating, uh, meaning around your community, community-oriented stuff, so seasonal eating, that is. And the reason is couplefold. One, it's more nutritionally dense. And I'll give an example of an apple. So I have an apple. There's a lot of orchards here. I have an apple that's organic here versus an apple that's organic from, say, Costa Rica. The Costa Rican apple takes roughly about 30 days to get here in the, in the grocery store, organic grocery store, and about, like, 5,000 kilometers. What's healthier, that apple that came from Costa Rica or my apple that literally came from a farm 20 minutes away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 20-minute apples away, right? It's 100 times more nutritionally dense, not to mention I'm supporting my economy. I'm not a, I freaking hate the whole importing, exporting of foods globally. It's a freaking sham. This whole idea of a free market worldwide that food has to be transported everywhere is a joke. Yeah, it it's is a joke. It's an absolute joke. It is a joke. Right? The, and we have so much food, Joe Salatin talks about that, we have so much food in our local, in our local areas that we, we, have, we would end the world's issue of hunger. Yeah, absolutely. If we well, all I, focus... Like, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I, like I always say, if, if, we put all, if we took all the time and energy we put into fucking building bombs and starting wars and, and threw that into feeding and housing the world, we'd have all our fucking problems solved. Well, then there's no money to be made then. Exactly, true, true, true. It's all about the green men and controlling people. The whole world's about control. Every single war that's ever happened on this planet has been manipulated yeah. and been, been manipulated for financial gains. Yeah. And these gains are calculated 50 years down the line. It's not yesterday. You know, I come from, my parents come from Yugoslavia and all that, so I'm really big into, like, what's happening with the wars and all that. But all this shit is manipulated. It's quite scary stuff, and that's a whole different topic. But going back to the Car carbs in the wintertime and the carbs versus the daylight time, it's simple. The closer you can eat locally and in seasonally, the more nutrition you get. End of story. The more nutrition you get, the healthier you become. However, obviously it's hard. Depends on where you live, etc. I believe if you can come up to the 70% point that you're eating locally and in season, that's awesome. Okay? So let's talk about right now because where I am, summertime's coming up. June's around the corner. June 21st will be officially summertime. It's already about 30 degrees over here and the apples are budding and pretty much fruiting, etc. 
Now, right now, I'm coming up in a high-carb intake period because it's long light hours, right? Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis creates life on this planet, right? Without photosynthesis, without the light, I wouldn't have my apple, I wouldn't have my squash, I wouldn't have, you know, all the other fruits and amazing vegetables that are grown in the long light periods. However, when the long light periods are shifting over in September into winter to the short light periods, there's no freaking apple outside. There's no bananas. There's no shit outside. So what do I rely on? I've got to rely on more fatty foods. So I've got to rely on my fermented foods. I've got to rely on more fat, more animal products. That I've been following the system for maybe like two years. It's a natural system. It's the system that Earth attended us to eat. The Aborigines ate this way, or the natives of the whole you know planet Earth, the planet you know the Gaia Mother. It comes from the actual planet itself, right? So if you can follow that system to the seventy percent, eat locally, it's no brainer. Not to take of like carbs being bad. Carbs aren't bad. Uh, the whole idea of like low carb for life or like ketogenic for life is. And me personally, if you're not like, if you're not suffering from multiple sclerosis, cancer, uh, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, then the, doing a ketogenic diet may be cyclic. So like in the winter time for like two months is optimal. However, if you do have cancer, if you do have Alzheimer's, if you do have Parkinson's or any neurological or metabolic disease as Thomas Seafried looked like to talk about, then yes, ketogenic diet most likely you have to do it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. However, if you do not fall into those camps, I truly believe that doing a ketogenic diet in the wintertime is really optimal for cellular regeneration and uh, reestablishing that circadian rhythm of seasonal changes and going back to which carbs are healthy or not and going for the sports. Depends on your sportsman. If you're a triathlete, Ben Greenfield talks about this. He did a one-year biohack about this. Ketogenic is awesome for this long-distance endurance. However, if you're a freaking MMA fighter or a powerlifter, or if you're an Olympic ollie lifter, you need the carbs to replete your glycogen. Like, it's part of the sport. You cannot maximize and optimize your performance on just a low-carb slash ketogenic diet. Yeah, 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 big time. <laughs> like Jack said, it depends on your sport. Like, what are you doing? Like, what's, what's your end result? Like, what do you want to achieve? Like, if I want to lift fucking, like, 500 pounds over my head, I'm going to have to put literally mass onto my body. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you hear Ben saying that... that exercise in the evening offsets light at night which is circadian rhythm or, or light later on in the day what's your take on that he, he was saying I'm a big believer well if you look at circadian biology with testosterone in men our testosterone peaks around 4pm yeah, so, you, so you, if you, you want to maximize your workouts try to get them to at least start around 4 o'clock plus yeah yeah it's funny isn't it like because like that, that's one thing I'm trying to look in because my main field is strength and conditioning you know strength and conditioning and then also I have the background in functional medicine and kind of physical therapy and rehabilitation but strength and conditioning was my first sort of field and that's mainly what I do coaching but, and I'm always trying to see kind of I'm trying to match circadian rhythms with often performance and you know like the, the peaks of you know sort of hormonal output and all and you often like for years coach like I'll oh, train first thing in the morning because you've got the whole day to replete your glycan shores and protein synthesis and and then you know your cortisol's up, and then you hear like things like that. Then that you know testosterone's beating a force, so it's very interesting. That the Russians have been doing studies on this for a very long time. They used to do it with their Olympic lifters, so with the Bulgarians as well. Man, they used to train their PR lifts around six p.m. at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were taking a shit ton of steroids. Oh yeah, they're the inventors. Oh, actually, the Germans were. Then I think the Russians took it over. But yeah, they're injecting a shitload of synthetic steroids. Okay, I, just uh, an interesting question on that. I just want your perspective on it, actually, because. I've always, you know, just with steroids, because obviously, like, you know, I, I think anyone who's in the fitness game probably has a friend or knows someone who's on steroids. 
because I, I remember talking to a guy about steroids and I and you know we were talking about it and I, I was like saying to him I would never recommend someone take steroids in the winter because again going back on evolution your body's not meant to be producing a shit ton of sex hormones in the winter time no. where, whereas I was saying if you're going to cycle it do it during summer months would you agree on that? I would but at the end of the day like you're also it's hard for a person like once you get in that mental mindset of like doing cycles and depends on what type of steroids are we talking about. You know, if people are doing like Trembinol, certain tests, etc., like that, it's hard to tell them all of a sudden stop doing the winter. But for a small select few who have that willpower and maybe want to do this smart for the rest of their life, maybe they want to enter a lot of pro bodybuilding shows, then yeah, I definitely recommend doing an off cycle because nonetheless, like if you're properly cycling, you should at least do an eight week period that you're not on it. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, anyone like. Anyone doing it smart has to know you, you have to you can't stay on that shit full term. The yin yang, like you, you know, you can't have all yin no yang, so you can't be just taking that nonstop. It has to be cycled. Like, uh, Amir, I want to ask you about the cold thermogenesis. How are you incorporating that into your life? And also in the, in the winter months, I know personally myself here in the house I live in, like I just never have the heat on. Like people come in, they're like, "Oh my god, your house is freezing," and I'm like, I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm ro- I'm always roasting warm. And everyone's just like, Shh. they're you know, their teeth are like you know clutching together you know that kind of thing when people are cold and they're just like oh, it's so cold in here and like it's roasting so what, like, yeah. what, what, what do you do with cold thermogenesis in general and when it's winter time like what are your what's your kind of protocol let me put it this way uh, fall winter and spring I have a lake here so that's my cold therapy summer I really don't care for it because I'm not going to go out and look for bags of ice I just don't care for it yeah 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 true. right so basically I use my lake because I'm not a fan of just standing in the shower and I'll tell you why because it's just boring for me yeah, big time. That's all it is. It's just boring. I'm sorry. Like, you know, it's just really boring. However, going to the lake, you can move around. You can play around. You can. I have mountains in my back feet, so it's kind of really like zen-like for meditation. Mm-hmm. So I do that. Uh, I don't die in the summertime. To me, I don't care. I'm not going to be hunting down 20 bags of ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch on meditation there. Do you do it every day? What do you, I think I, I think I heard you recommend that you journal. Is it? Do you journal every day? Every you, single day. Uh, every morning and every night I do a five-minute journal. And it's what? You were saying like it's like three things you're grateful for or three things you want to do. Is it something like that? or yet you were Exactly that is. So three things that you're grateful for, three things you want to do, and um, the nighttime comes up to like three things that happened today that's amazing, three things that you wish you could have done. And uh, it starts off with a beautiful quote at the beginning. A good two friends of mine, Alex Icon and UJ Randis, invented it. And honest to God, is a freaking game changer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's yeah. To be, uh, I like again. I think like kind of to people who don't meditate, they must, like, I think they get this impression that meditation is like, or meditating itself has to be, you know, done in a kind of, I don't know, like a church and they, or else or else. Nah, none of that. Man. I'll, I'll tell you a meditation hack that I do. It's called calm.com. So www.calm.com. Yeah. And yeah. there's a guided meditation. You can pick 5, 10, 15, 20. You can have, if you have an iPhone, you can have an iPhone app for it. It's not on Android yet, unfortunately. But I use it on occasion. I'm not the, I'm a very super active, go, 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 type A personality. Go crush it. That's me. Okay. Yeah, I'm not yeah. the, oh, fruity, you know, fairy type of person, right? I'm the complete polar opposite. So I have a really freaking hard time sitting down and being like, hum, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like that, that. That's what I'm saying. though. like, I think people who who like a lot of people think that's what meditation is. But like I always say to them, it's not. It's whatever kind of puts you at ease. Like for me, I absolutely just love going for a walk in my local park. At you know, just it just really. That's the best form of meditation. Actually, all my insights, all my greatest ideas, and my clarity comes from hiking. And if you look at the great people, so what I did this year was I started reading 
the 100 biographies slash autobiographies of the 100 most influential people who ever lived, period. Holy Dead shit. Or what? Al- what? Is, 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 that a bo- is that a book, Amir? No, no, I'm literally going through 100 people's different autobiographies that slash is, biographies. That is fucking unreal. I must get some names off you. That's brilliant. <laughs> and one of the most common threads and things I keep on seeing among all these people from Einstein, Nikola Tesla, uh, you know, Muhammad, Jesus, Moses, Gutenberg, etc., was they all religiously took time throughout their day to walk. Yeah, like uh, Einstein, I've watched a few documentaries on him, like Einstein, he used to, what did he used to call it? He used to call it like a thinking daydream where he used to do these things, he used to go walking and he just used to like fall into these like daydreams walking around like thinking. Oh, he was a big, he loved looking at clouds and, and in the sky and let his mind go and get in that theta wave. And Nikola Tesla, what a genius. Oh, I swear to God, sometimes I think that guy's like from a different dimension, or he's an uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you if you're into music or anything, but I know one of my favorite musicians is Jack White, and and uh, like I love, like I really love Jack White. I think he's really talented, and he's obsessed with Nikola Tesla as well for whatever reason. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, he he loves Tesla. Like he even has a song and like Tesla's names in it, like and everything. And there's a clip of him with like it's like him and Meg back in the day, and he had like some old thing that Tesla invented, like and I don't know, it's just weird. He's just obsessed with Tesla as well. But it's so funny how many people don't know who Nikola Tesla is, and it's just kind of like. Well, uh, they should. The whole you and I would have been would not be having this conversation right now if it wasn't for Nikola Tesla. Oh, unbelievable! Like uh, I watched this kind of it was kind of like a film movie documentary on him, and it was like. Uh, he got some award at this thing and he was basically saying that in a few years time we'll be able to tell news to each other and through pictures and everyone thought he was crazy and like within like 40 years the television was invented like you know but even like uh, he he went to J.P. Morgan and he was te- trying you remember that time he went to build that tower and he was telling J.P. Yeah, Morgan the Colorado Tower yeah he was telling J.P. Morgan like uh, he, we can tap into the Earth's ionosphere and and, and, and have, we can have like power for everyone free power for everyone on the, on the planet and like J.P. Morgan was like um, like you know, he's like we're we're gonna take away his funding and, and uh, because you know JP Morgan was like uh, had oil like so it was just like it was just mad like like if everyone found out the truth like that we have got free power at our fingertips we never have to pay for it like it would just be unreal like oh it's here the free power is here they've been suppressing this technology for the last hundred and fifty years yeah look up Nikola Tesla for everyone listening to this do it now stop this podcast do it now and come back do it now and and if you want to see Nikola Tesla in like mainstream you can. See the movie with Hugh Jackman, and the movie is about two magicians. It's called Prestige. Oh, deadly! I didn't know that actually. It was about Tesla. There, there is a documentary on, like, an actual. It's like a movie and Tesla, and it's all about Tesla and um. Oh, what's his name? Edison's in it as well, and all that. So Edison's a thief, man. Everyone keeps on. I give Edison credit for a lot of inventions, but the invention on a light bulb—that's a farce. Yeah, yeah, it's all. He stole that. He stole that from Tesla. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, yeah. That's true. If you if you actually go on YouTube and type in Nikola Tesla, there's this like little cartoon schematic that comes up. It's like four minutes long, and it's all about how 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 like Tesla has been ripped off his whole life. Yeah, the oatmeal. I think the oatmeal did that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um. Amir, one other really interesting thing I want to ask is about traveling and time zones. What are your kind of, let's say, your strategies for, for kind of overcoming, you know, jet lag, kind of the radiation in the, air, in the airplane, um, you know, the kind of free radical production when you travel, like, and just crossing time zones. All right, here we go, here we go. So I fast while I travel. Simple as that, no eating. Okay. That's number one. So I already put in my mindset I'm not eating until I land on the other side. That's that. Uh, so I'm going, this is what I do. I make sure I bring ROM water with me, so reverse osmosis water, okay? I make sure I have my blue light blocker glasses, so mm-hmm. my glasses in my pocket. 
I have uh, CoQ10, so to recharge my mitochondria, and uh, that's it that I carry on. So I go into the plane, and actually before you go into the plane, obviously you have to go through the checkouts and all that. I opt out of those crazy-ass radiation death scans. Can, 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 you do, can you do that? Yeah, of course, your constitutional right. Well, in Canada, there's no so-called constitution, but in Canada, yeah, you can opt out. In the United States, you can opt out too, I'm but you sure. But you still have to go through that beep-beep yoke, you know, that yoke. Well, you go through a metal detector, but that full body scan—you know, the one that rotates around the big oh, yeah, ass. Oh yeah, we, we like I like uh, we don't have that in Dublin in Ireland here anyway. We don't have that shit. Yeah, but they got these full body scans. Literally, of uh, they're radiating pure non-native EMF right into your body, which is retarded. Like that's insane. So you can opt out of that, but then you get like a glove and fingers and weird places, and it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> Fuck that! I, I still I, I'd rather take the glove and finger anyway. Yeah, so I opt out of that, and then once I get into the plane, I'm hydrating. I got my ROM water. I'm drinking that sucker, and then you can ground yourself in the plane. So Jack talks about this. I take off my socks. I take off my shoes, and I get weird looks from people like, oh, fuck, what's this guy doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck, what's this guy doing? Oh, he's he's one of those. I know, right? So then uh, I just take my feet and I put them on the metal in front of me, and that can ground me during my flight. Yeah, I heard Jack saying that before, but uh, like I know I, I, the last time I was on a plane, I was looking to do that, and there was no fucking metal bar in front of me, so I didn't know actually what to do. But I just took off my, I just took off my shoes. Like I actually didn't get it. But I, every time I'm gonna go on a plane now, I'm not gonna wear any socks. I'm just gonna so I can just take off my shoes and go straight barefoot and hopefully put it on a metal bar. Could, with, with, with the kit with the the CoQ10 are you actually getting that true security like how are you getting like a little pill or on the plane or do you just take it before you travel I take it before I travel I was thinking yeah because usually they should take that shit off you going through yeah yeah it's large I try to not really carry any supplements slash anything of that sort because it just gives you headaches it's bad enough what they do with like because I carry around my podcast equipment and they think it's some weird device yeah and they're like they give me headaches always. Like, oh, what is this? Oh, fuck! Here we go again. Uh, go go through this stuff and all that, right? I can, um, so, uh, go, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So I just take it beforehand, and then when I land, right away, I put on my blue light glasses because obviously the airports are like Vegas. As soon as you land with the overhead lights, and if it's during the daytime where I land, I try to ground right away outside. So if I'm going somewhere, I try to find a park ASAP. I ground and I do a workout immediately. Yeah, I heard that it re-regulates your clock doing a workout straight away, does it? Yeah, it, to the best of the ability, yeah. And, and so I just another thing, because I, I, I kind of got this again from that book by, by Sidney Baker. Like, he, would, you start, would you start getting your clock ready for where you're going? So let's say you were coming to Ireland. I mean, so I think, if, where are, you, are you in Toronto right now, are you? Or? No, I'm in, uh, well, Vancouver, close enough to Vancouver. Yeah, I was thinking, so Vancouver is eight hours behind Ireland. So would you, if you were to come here for a week, would you start switching your clock around to Irish time to, to regulate quicker, or what would you do? It uh, depends. A week's a slow time. Like, if you're looking at circadian biology, and this is why Olympic athletes do this, it takes roughly 30 days to get accustomed to that your geo, uh, your geological magnetic receptors inside your pineal gland actually adapt to the geographical location you're located in. Mm. Right? So it takes 30 days. And this is why professional athletes who are competing on the grand scale of things, like world championships, Olympic uh, championships, they go one month ahead of time to climatize, both from a circadian biology point of view, to, to maximize their hormones for that location on the planet. One week is kind of short to maximize it, yeah. but yes, for that one week, I'll try my best to kind of like tune in my body, but it'll never tune in in that short period of time, truly. I, I know Paul, Paul, I asked this T.S. Wiley, and she didn't actually have an answer to it, surprisingly, but I think you're, you're kind of after kind of answering it there. 
Paul Check always asks a question in his health questionnaires, what circadian time zone were you born in? Because he believes being out of your natural circadian time zone. So if I was to move to America tomorrow and live in America for, let's say, two years, he would say that that's, that's actually stressful to my body because it's not in the circadian time zone I was originally born in. But my question to C.S. Wiley was, do, you know, surely you do adapt. So would you think we're in that... But remember, our circadian biology is being skewed by non-native EMF. Yeah, okay, okay. But so like, there's a big issue like that. So that, like doing these like extracurricular things such as like grounding, working out, low-carb diets, certain supplements, other like biohacks like the biomass, infrared, um, intranasal infrared that goes up to your pineal gland, all these small like auxiliary biohacks it's kind of mandatory in the current really effed up environment that we're yeah, living yeah. But there's you, no surprise they look at like california on the west coast that they have one of the highest rates of autism in the world why you're fucking looking at silicon valley yeah yeah i know but do, do, do you think you can adapt to a different time zone yeah 100 percent, man it just takes time yeah 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 I, another question i actually asked jack it'd be interesting to get your well, take. here let's go back to that let's go back to adapting another time zone where the hell do we come from we're nomadic people. Yeah. We don't come from like static location. Like before this like uh, agricultural revolution 10,000 years ago, which I don't buy. I don't believe that we're just cavemen 10,000 years ago. Yeah, I think it's yeah, a whole yeah. farce. It's a whole different story. But like we are nomadic creatures. We actually have a yearning in our DNA to move around. So yes, we can adapt to any single environment that we go to. Yeah, I've, I've read a book. It's called Mismatch by uh, Peter Gluckman and uh, something Han Mark Hansen. And they they were saying that the one the one excellent trait humans have is that we're generalists. Like we could live anywhere in the world. Like, you know, we, we, we adapt very well to nearly any environment. Whereas like you you could take other species out of a certain environment and they would just like die straight away. But he was saying that <laughs> yeah, like we we we've really adapted well to being generalists uh, with regards to environments we can live in. But a uh, thing I wanted to ask ask you too then, just speaking about adaptation and let's say like circadian rhythms and artificial light, do you think humans could actually adapt to artificial light like over a certain prolonged period of time, given the fact that we can adapt? No, I don't know. Maybe if we have that type of circadian biology for like three billion years. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, we'll all be died out. Someone's going to hit the fucking planet by that stage anyway. And it goes beyond that. It's not just like the timing, like these artificial lights also emit EMR, which, in the, which isn't, EMF radiation, right? So the actual magnetic radiation of these electronic devices. Yeah, One yeah. thing is light, you know, the spectrum of light. Another thing is actual EMF. Can we adapt to EMF? No, we never grew up with it. Like, we grew up with very low levels of uh, native EMF on this planet. And that's how our DNA oscillates. Luc Montagnier in 2000 won a Nobel Peace Prize that he discovered that our nucleotides vibrate on the Schumann residency of 7.10. 7.10 yeah did you read well, did you read did you read about, did you read that book the body electric by o becker oh yeah man i have a copy right here i try to reread it like every couple of months kind of re-digest information it's kind of hard to grasp oh, it's it's a it's some book isn't it it's a bear of a book yeah like it's, that it's, one is a really great book i just finished reading that everyone should read it's called disconnected disconnected is it, 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 it that's not that's not the derbler davis one is it i think it may be i think i'm gonna tell you the author right now something davis is it disconnected i think i have that book is it does it have like an iphone on the cover yeah yeah that's the one yeah 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 yeah. Shoot, yeah. really good book like it, it talks about the histories and controls the emf where it comes from the regulations like it's crazy ben ben, ben has interviewed her and so is sean crocks and you should get her on as well yeah i'll try yeah she's good i'll get her on too fuck it we'll we'll, we'll all get her on <laughs> uh, Amir, i know you're big into training um you know you're big into kettlebells and, and strength yeah. training like so um, 
is training something you try and push with clients as well? You know, for I suppose it depends on where they're at. If they don't train, well, it obviously, depends. Yeah. Like fifty percent of my clients are athletes, pro athletes, but they're already in their sport. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're not training for the sake of training. They're training for the sake of well, I got to hit these numbers or achieve this type of success in my sport. Yeah. Now, say for like entrepreneurs that I coach or like top CEOs or top performing people I coach, it all depends on your goals, man. Like if your goals are just general health and you don't really care about having like a super six pack, man, honest to God, like twenty. 15 minutes a day with some kettlebells to 20 minutes is all you need but if you want to have like hypertrophic growth you want to have that like each body or it's going to take more time a little bit more effort to get that type of body and different type of training you would have to mix like high intensity training maybe twice a week with maybe some slow pace like five by five like pure raw strength training yeah 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 definitely big time yeah i mean well like strength training is a massive part of my life anyway with, with, with my strength conditioning background um, I just have two or three questions left. I know you have to go in the hour, so I want to make sure I get them in. Actually, just one more sort of thing I want to touch on with the sleep was you were saying in the evening time you're more of a fan of a, a lower carb meal. Um, and I know what some other people say they're more of a fan of having your carbs in the evening meal and keeping kind of more protein and fat during the day. But I think I know what you're going to say here. You're going to probably say it depends on the person. <laughs> you read my mind. Uh, I found personally <laughs> yeah. my practice. There's two groups of people. A, the group that benefits. And you have to ask yourself, well, why does that group benefit? And there's a couple of theories. One, a lot of times when people are low carb, they may be potassium deficient because of certain, um, because mostly the most potassium is found in these carbs and maybe the vegetables they're eating, or, or I should say the lack of vegetables aren't really potassium rich because the best potassium types of vegetables out there are like sea, uh, sea vegetables, so kelp, etc., like that. So when you're eating carbs at night, you may be getting an influx of potassium, which actually helps your serotonin as well. At the same time, that type of sugar influx also stimulates serotonin, serotonin into melatonin, uh, deeper rest, and not yeah. to mention there may be a gut bacteria connection with maybe some resistant starch. Yeah. Those are just theories. Nothing's confirmed. I have no idea. The second group of people, their cortisol's raised, their insulin's raised because they just ate some carbs. And they kind of get that type of like high blood pressure and they can't really go to bed. So find out what works for you. If you're going to have carbs tonight, maybe try to keep it under like 50 grams of starches, not fruits, not fructose, but starches and see how your body reacts. The only way you're going to find out is do it. Yeah, yeah, big time. Uh, I actually didn't ask you this question. I should have asked it earlier on. But if you were to summarize your nutrition and life philosophy, what would you say? I am a flexitarian. <laughs> flexitarian. I like it. You know, I, I had a question the other day. Oh, Amir, I thought you are the ketogenic diet. I'm like, yeah, I'm keto maybe like once or twice a month, you know, in the wintertime. Right now, I'm high carb. Like, that's the thing. People are stuck to this dogmatic, like, yeah, yeah, black yeah. white. This way or the highway. No, no, we are nomadic creatures. We have to be flexible to our environment. Yeah, it depends, we have to people. Adapt. It depends, so, people. Yeah, and when you're stuck in this dogma, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a fucking vegan, and that shit rocks, man. And everyone in the world has to be vegan. I'm like, yeah, you're really enlightened, buddy. Like, yeah, you're telling me every single human being in the world has to be like that. At the same time, you're telling me that your diet, what you eat, will not change 50 years from now? Newsflash, buddy. You don't have a foggiest idea what's going to happen to your life one month from now. Yeah, yeah. Well, are, you, are you not a fan of eating 50 bananas, or was it 20 bananas a day, is it, or 30 bananas a day? I, I think I'll blow up personally. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you ever watch Dorian Ryder? He's a funny man, isn't he? No, no, he's good at marketing. I know who he is. He does that for marketing, but like uh, each is to his own, man. Like I respect the guy. He's very uh, transparent with his stuff. I know he was on Ben's show. He actually showed certain biomarkers. 
hey man, it's working for him. I don't know how it's working for him, but fuck, if it works for him, all the power to him. But what I don't like about him is attacking other people and saying this is the way, you know, you guys are idiots, which obviously he's just doing to get more publicity. So yeah, in that yeah, essence, yeah. I don't respect him, but from the health perspective, hey man, he found out that something works for him, you never know. It may one day bite him in the ass or may not. Like, that's why I like to be called a flexitarian. The way I eat right now, I guarantee you this, Robbie, it will change year to year. It's going to change 50 years from now. It's going to change for even like a couple of months from now. It all depends on like the position and the environment that you're in. Yeah, I mean, you you sound exactly like me. Whenever I give talks, I always say this. I'm always like, you know, I always talk about biochemical individuality. And I always say, listen, we're all biochemically unique. So that means all of our nutritional requirements are unique to each one of us. And then I always go on and say, and not only are we biochemically individual from one person to another, but you are, your nutritional requirements are always going to change moment to moment. Like you're, you know, the, the nutrition you're going to need for your body today to be optimal is very different from the nutrition you're going to need for your body to be optimal a week from now, a month from now, next season, next year, a decade from now. You're like, you're a dynamic organism. You're always changing. Yeah, and it depends if you move, where you're going, uh, maybe, you know, God forbid something happens to you, maybe you're in an accident, like, you have to be flexible and you got to figure out how can I be a chameleon, how can I adapt to my environment to survive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we, you know, you and I over here, like in the Western society, we're lucky, we have access to this. My brother lives in China, in the Guangzhou province over there. Man, the shit that we're talking about, like the gluten and paleo, they laugh at that. They're like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, <laughs> you're lucky to get food, period. Yeah, yeah. We have a first world problem here. We have so much food and we have these choices. We are the minority of the world. I will repeat, the minority. So yeah. when I hear people talking about which camp is better, what diet is better, I'm like, bollocks, you guys are idiots. You guys are not looking at the bigger picture. The world needs basic food. You guys are arguing about which diet is better. Newsflash, you know, wake the F up. It's like, uh, it's okay, you can say fuck on this podcast. Uh, it's, <laughs> fucking uh, right. <laughs> fucking right. Um, it's like Louis C.K., the comedian, always says, he goes, you know, he says, nobody in the Western world has any problems. We have what are called white people problems. And he's like, a pro he's like, a problem is like, oh, they're cutting their heads off today. He's like, that's a real fucking problem. Not, not, yeah. not, not like I got stalled 40 minutes on my flight from the airport. It's crazy, man. And yeah. I think, I think the health industry needs to really wake up and certain leaders in there got to start waking up and like really speaking the truth um i mean i mean real, real quick because because i know you need to go so i, I want to get these two questions in these are the last two if if i said to you amir you're in charge of medicine all over the world tomorrow what what would you do i would divide financial gain and politics from it somehow yeah, yeah yeah make it unbiased which is look seems insane but i'd figure out a way to completely make it or better yet that the scientists who are doing because it all comes back to funding every scientist in the world can have a billion dollars for the research that's brilliant yeah that's, that's actually uh, I like, yeah they're two very good answers and then finally and if you have any else to add on that you can obviously go ahead there finally i i'm a reese i just love resources so what books podcasts dvds whatever it is like what, what like what are your what are your top ones that you recommend Resources at the moment for health. Uh, Jack Cruz is amazing. I always study his stuff. Ben Greenfield is good. Uh, if you guys want more like modern day paleo stuff, you can look at Rob Wolf's. Obviously, check out Robbie's stuff. Robbie's doing a great job. If you want more information about me, check that out. Well, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be putting I'll be putting links to your website. You're, you're uh, AmirRozik.com, aren't you? 
That's right, yeah. Perfect. I'll be putting Amir's uh, details in the show. Another great resource for, like, if you're into, like, more deep functional medicine stuff is Dr. Tim Jackson. He does a great job. Awesome. Uh, then for, like, more, like, the whole EMF stuff, you can look at Robert O. Becker, uh, Dr. Ling, uh, you got for water research, it's kind of connected to EMF. You can look at Gerald Pollack. He has a book called Four Phase of Water. And in world issues, you can look at, um, honestly, even though he's a kind of a quack and all that. Well, he's not a quack. It's just, he's unique. I, I give the guy credit, but you can look at like, InfoWars. So his name is Alex Jones. Oh, he, he, yeah, he's, he's fucking mad. He is. He's mad, but like, you have to get past his craziness. I think that's a shtick. Yeah, that is his shtick. Have you ever looked into the Venus Project? I've read it. I haven't really gone super deep into it. You should look into that. You should. You should. Uh, the second half of, I think it's the second half of the second Zeitgeist and and the third Zeitgeist really goes deep into it. And then there's a few other documentaries on it out there that really like Jock Fresco is a genius. Like, but. Uh, I'll look it up. I, I actually interviewed him too, and the audio on it's a bit shitty, to be honest. But like, he's like ninety nine years of age, like, and he's still rocking. Like, he's just, I just think he's brilliant. Like, um, what about books, Amir? Any good books? Books there? Are... At the moment, um, let's see. Like, you want a lightning book, something that's really powerful. Well, just say someone said to you, Amir, top three books or top five books. Oh, or whatever. top three books. Number one, I really love the book by Daniel Quinn called Ishmael. Really, it's a mindset book. Uh, you can look at Victor E. Frankel, Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, that and, book is unreal. I've read that book, Man's Search for yeah. Meaning. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, and then a great book of finding your why and who you are and what you can do this world is Simon Sinek starts with why. Those are three books. It has nothing to do with nutrition. As you can tell, I'm not the biggest guy on just Oh, no, no, no. That, oh, that's, uh, that, uh, it's not. Listen, you're not on this. I'm exactly the same. Like, it's, it's like people always go, give me three books. Like, they're strength coaches and I give them three books like, and they're not training books. And I'm like, yeah, they're... <laughs> You know, because there's a lot more to it than just training. Yeah, that's unreal. Like biology belief, I would like read that book. Just read that book. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that there are three brilliant books. Yeah, I, I want to actually. That's one book I've been to read. That last one, the 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 start of why like so. Oh, it's great. Like I seen Simon speak in in person at a conference in Toronto. Man, that guy like he's changing lives. Man, it like really made me think. That book It's like yo, why are you really here? Like not what. Like why are you doing the things you do? As soon as you find your why, everything else becomes easy. Yeah, yeah, big time, big time. Amir, listen, you, t- you said one hour and we're just coming up to an hour and one minute and I know that you probably have some work to do and other, other deadlines or schedules to keep going, so I want to respect your time. That was that was an awesome hour. Definitely want to get you back on. I, you know, it was just like, I love bouncing back and forth with someone and, you know, when an hour flies by, it obviously was a great interview. So I hope you enjoyed coming on and I really appreciate it. And uh, obviously I'll send you the link and all. Um so uh, I'll just wrap up the show Amir and then I'll just uh, hold on line for an extra 10 seconds and I'll say goodbye to you after. Cool. so guys check out Amir Razik uh, Amir am I saying your second name right Amir yeah man you're good yeah. Amir yeah so check out Amir's website I'll put that in the show notes and listen thanks to everyone who keeps supporting the podcast and downloading the podcast and please leave a review on iTunes if you can because it bumps us up so talk to you soon guys take care and stay strong